Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Ken Larson, who is the CEO of Eloro Resources, their TSXV listed explorer hunting for silver, gold, and polymetallics in South America. They've got a farm in with their La Victoria project uh, by an Australian company in, um, based in Peru, um, uh, whereas they're going to focus their time and attention on their flagship project, which is Isca Isca in Bolivia. Um, that's fairly early stage. They've raised about a million bucks so far, and uh, they're going to be doing some drilling between now and the end of the year to work out what it is that they've got. So enjoy the podcast. Tom, how are you doing, sir? Matthew, good to see you. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on the show. So we've uh, we've not spoken before or heard this story before, so looking forward to hearing all about it. So where in the world are you today? I'm in Switzerland here uh, for another few weeks. Then I'll be back to Toronto, uh, where we're, we've been here for a few months, uh, just hibernating somewhat, but uh, quite enjoying it. I bet. Under the, under the current circumstances. See, what you're, 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 what, you're sort of trapped there, are you? Is that, is that the... Not really trapped. Uh, just uh, traveling back and forth, traveling back to Canada right now. There's no, I don't think urgency right now. We're getting a lot of work done here and enjoying the hiking and that sort of thing. So, oh yeah, uh, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Have you had that heat wave? We're, we've experienced this in Europe. I'm in the heat wave. wave right now, and unfortunately, in Switzerland, we don't have air conditioning. Oh boy. So uh, yeah. Bear with me if you see the odd beat of sweat. You, you, you and me both, sir. You and me both. It's like 35. Here in here. London, so Dying. same thing. No, yeah. uh, no conditions. Terrific. <laughs> and this is a beautiful shade of pink uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, well, look, um, why don't we kick off? Give us that one-minute overview. You know, what are you? Tell us all about it. Sure. I'm um, founder of a company called Aloro Resources. We're a South American-focused resource company, explorer, developer. Uh, basically at the early stages, trying to enhance assets primarily in Bolivia, a major project in Bolivia, and a uh, another uh, big project in north central Peru. Okay, what's your track record? Where are you from? Uh, I started off well, way back when as a, a graduate of Queen's University Economics, and uh, in the 80s I was a broker, and that's where I sort of learned my sort of, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the resource sector, that's where I uh, really started really enjoying that aspect of things and the banking system sort of took over the old traditional brokerage houses so at that point in 92 i moved over across the street and started into uh, uh, a company i started running called northfield minerals it ended up in the 90s 90s becoming a tsx listed uh, 250 million market cap company our uh, properties were located in the Destor Porcupine Fault area of the Abitibi in northeastern Ontario, close by the world famous Karadison Mine. So we spent about eight years on that. So that's where I sort of learned like to build a team and build uh, resources. And then we continued with another company called NFX Gold, similar uh, track record, ran that until 2006, again in that region. Uh, and um, where I sort of branched off a little bit from the precious metals. Uh, sector was uh, getting involved in the iron ore space. I was a founder and uh, financier uh, of a company called Champion Minerals that we went took public. Uh, it's in the Labrador trough properties that were formerly uh, Quebec Cartier, uh, taken out by DeFasco. We were able to pick uh, properties up through a fellow called Pat Sheridan Sr., highly uh, uh, 
uh, I had a, a lot of respect for that fellow who really helped us along. And we uh, built Champion Minerals from a resource stage uh, into a 5 billion ton uh, resource, inferred resource. Uh, we took it to a pre-feasibility study on one of the projects. Uh, we had a, you know, a good following, but the iron ore price at the time between 2006 and 2012 was in our favor. So that, that went very well. Subsequently merged that with a group out of Australia, the local Michael O'Keefe, who now is the executive chairman and has done a brilliant job on the, the growth path of uh, Champion. It's a billion dollar plus market cap today, producing uh, over seven, eight million tons of concentrate a year. Okay, but now you're in South America, Bolivia and Peru. Um, why are you there? What, what have you set out to try and build? Well, I think after my experience, uh, well, be, being in the precious metal sector, but also uh, seeing the size potential, the scale that I witnessed when I was involved with Champion, uh, size is what really attracted me to, you know, in, in going forward with any other projects, which I obviously took on uh, after I stepped down from um, Champion. Uh, I always had a, a belief in some of the big systems down in uh, primarily uh, the Peru Cardillaron Belt. Um, and um, we had an opportunity to become involved uh, through a group, group of people I knew very well that were involved with a, the La Victoria project, a low sulfidation, large epithermal system in an area that had attracted some major uh, mining companies. Uh, American Bar Barrick at the time had uh, Lagunas Norte, uh, La Perina, these are world-class deposits. Uh, Tahoe Resources had the uh, Tahoe, uh, they had the Larina Shawindo deposits 50 kilometers north of us. Uh, Newmont, uh, Milpro, Fresnilo, all these companies were in this particular area. Uh, and we had an opportunity to earn 100% interest uh, in a 90 square kilometer area, uh, which we took on. But before I delved into this and uh, dove into this, at least in 2014-15 uh, after Champion, I uh, basically contacted an old friend of mine, Dr. William Pearson, who has extreme experience with large epithermal and dayan type uh, mineral systems. I wanted to see if he was interested. I worked with him uh, you know, 20 years earlier when I was running Northfield. He was my chief technical advisor then. Um, and he was basically retiring. Uh, and I talked him into joining me and uh, thank God he, uh, he said yes. And we moved forward technically with something that we believe is quite exciting. Okay. Being La Victoria Project. Right, so, but, but in fact, let's break down those two things. So you've got La Victoria, which is in Peru. You've got ESCA, ESCA, which is in Bolivia. Um, what's, what's going to be the focus of the business? Are you going to be able to manage to take both of those forward or are you going to have to focus on one initially? I mean, ISCA ISCA has been a, a, re, a recent, uh, not acquisition, but an earn in play for us. Uh, this, this came about uh, just, we've been spending three, four years working away on the Peruvian project. And uh, we were having issues over the, in 2018, with the uh, a community in the northern part of the property where the our target was up on the Antiplano, uh, 
Altiplano, where we really believe that was the potentially the big, you know, the big play for us. We couldn't get permission. We couldn't get land purchase rental agreements. Um, so we ended up sort of stagnating for a, a number of months. Our share cap dropped down. We were at one point, you know, trading over a dollar. Uh, you know, we were lightly, you know, light. We've always had believed in a. I've always believed in a tightly held uh, share cap initially with these things. Uh, we had probably had 25 million shares at the time. So um, we decided to look maybe for a hedge, look for another project while we're waiting it out to try and get the uh, community and people on side with our main focus, our La Victoria. That's how in, uh, I think it was April, May of 2019, uh, we became involved with this project in Bolivia. The reason that we took, chose Bolivia was that uh, a friend of uh, Dr. Pearson's, Dr. Osvaldo Arque, uh, he being a Bolivian uh, born and raised in Bolivia, uh, president, of, uh, president of the Bolivian Geological uh, Society. Uh, his father was the head fellow at the, sort of the national manager for Comabol, the state-owned uh, mining arm of the Bolivian government. Uh, uh, Dr. Oswaldo had written books on different deposits in Bolivia, southern Bolivia primarily, which is deemed as the world world's largest jurisdiction for uh, uh, silver deposits, such as Cerro Rico, San Cristobal. Um, he had been on our property, hired by us a year prior in Peru. Uh, so we knew him fairly well. We, we approached him about finding something, finding a project that might not, wouldn't break the bank, but could give us some really, again, scale upside that he might know of. And, you know, that was our foray into Bolivia because we got him at the right time. And we did some due diligence on a project called Isca Isca in uh, 40 kilometers north of Tupiza in the Department of Potosi, where you have the likes of Pan American Silver and such. Uh, and um, so we did a, a $100,000 uh, due diligence program in the summer of 2019. We liked what we saw, some great multi-metal samples, three meter averages that came back to us. We decided to move forward. So Oswaldo, Dr. Oswaldo, who had worked on this particular property, nine square kilometer silver polymetallic prospect, uh, never been drilled. Uh, he basically knew the property. 2016 was hired to look at it. Private ownership, no royalty, road accessible. Uh, he thought this would be ideal for Aloro in our situation at the time. I'm not quite clear. Are you saying that you have kind of segue f focus from Peru to Bolivia now as a result of you know, issues in Peru? And ESCA is the core focus, yeah? And today, because of what we've developed, the due diligence process and the deal that we basically uh, com completed in, in January of 2020 on ESCA, uh, it's drill ready. Uh, underground, uh, old colonial underground workings have been modernized somewhat. So we are ready to move quickly on a drilling program. So that's why our focus right now is primarily on Iska Iska. But as I say this, um, I just want to step back on one point of the Peru project in that we had brought in a partner in 2017, early 2018, at the asset level to finance uh, in the tune of $5 million to, to earn up to a 25% interest in the asset of Lovic, in the La Victoria property. 
This is an Australian public company uh, called EHR Resources. Uh, uh, Michael O'Keefe uh, was involved with that and instrumental in bringing them to us, uh, the, the CEO of, or the current chairman of uh, Champion. And so through that, you know, we were able to finance and work uh, an initial drill campaign. As I mentioned, the latter part, the, the, the more favored area, we were having troubles with the community up at the 4,200 meter level, community of Piasca with a former president who's no longer there. We couldn't drill. And that's when we stagnated basically for you know about 14 to 18 months. However, we are now about to lock up a land purchase rental agreement or a land rental agreement uh, with the new incoming president who's been notarized in the local town of Shimbote, and we will be able to actually go after and start drilling that project. I expect that will be uh, funded via our uh, friends down in Australia to earn their 25% interest. Got it. So, so let, let's give, given that's not a focus, can we just, I want to be able to park that up and get, get back to the kind of key project with Ziska. So your Australian partners have um, signed a a, a what? I mean, what? What sort of agreement? A agreement to Definitive. Earn okay, money. great. So they've agreed five million bucks. Are they good for it? I mean, what can you tell us about them? Already spent. Uh, they they've earned into about eighteen percent of the. We we refined the five million with the because of suddenly the delays. So they they now have they've spent roughly two and a half million uh, so far in the last year and a half two years. Uh, they now own an eighteen percent interest in the asset of La Victoria, but they have the right to go up to 25% by spending a further 1.4 million Canadian. So what process are they going through? Because I mean, two and a half million over two years, they're not exactly piling into this thing. So how long no. do they have before they need to spend the 5 million? Well, they have basically 45 days from when we sign off on the uh, land surface uh, agreement with the local town, um, the land rental agreement. And then from there, I mean, $1.4 million will work out to about uh, close to yeah, 2,500 meters of drilling, which we expect to have completed by the end of the year. So they'll learn in by the end of the year. Okay, and what's 2,500 meters gonna tell you? Uh, it'll give us an outline of the San Marquito. Uh, it's about a kilometer and a half of a basically a, an anti-climb, which is it's, it's a, a, about a 300 meter uh, mineralized, width-wise mineralized envelope of uh, gold, silver, and a Chimu type uh, of sandstone rock. So that'll tell us, that will should give us an initial inferred resource. But these are very typical of most of the mines in the area. And remember, almost every mountain peak that we see all the way up to about 40 kilometers up to the uh, to Lake Tahoe, or Lake Tahoe, Tahoe Resources, being Pan American Silver's uh, two mining operations, uh, there are there's probably eight or nine producing mines in the in in the area. Some of the lowest cost mining in the world. So this is the sort of thing we're looking at. Okay, uh, I bet you'd rather be at Lake Tahoe right now with this heat. <laughs> um, but uh, so right, so that's that's the end of the year. Um, that is a silver play, or is that also polymetallic? Uh, no, it's, a, it's an epithermal low sulfidization, uh, silver gold. Okay, okay, 
Right. And then what happens at the end of this year? Do they, they need, obviously, a great environment for silver and gold at the moment to raise capital. Are they thinking of that? Do they need to do that to be able to move it to the next stage after the end of the year? You know, look, we, we, we're the operators. We will end up with 75%. They would end up with 25%. We will have to see, uh, you know, what takes place with this 2,500, 3,000 meters of drilling uh, at San Marquito. There's been a, we've been, basically it's been analyzed and, and look, you know, been looked at for three years. Uh, we have high hopes for it, but uh, we'll just see what comes of it. If, uh, if it works out, Initially, that it's, it warrants another two, three million dollars of, of uh, future drilling to enhance the asset. Uh, then that's what will take place, whether with them or without them. I okay. Mean, uh, seventy-five twenty-five. That'll be a seventy-five twenty-five uh, JV going forward. Okay. So you, your your point is that you don't necessarily want to keep offloading this um, asset. Well, it depends what happens at the end of this year. Is what you're saying? You want to keep optionality on that decision-making until then. Okay, understood. We'll come back to that uh, at another date. So let's come, let's come to ESCO, ESCO. So that, that's, again, silver, gold. You're talking about gold, silver, and base metal deposits in your PowerPoint, but I guess in the current market, you're, you're emphasizing the silver component, are you? I've never been, I've never heard, so, uh, the technical people that have been following this property recently, I, I'm just sort of uh, blown away by some of the comments that that uh, you know I've been hearing from. I mean, even our when we we completed the the uh, definitive agreement for first part of January 2020. Fortunately, we were able to get Mike on International Mining Engineering Firm down uh, onto the property that, and they completed an initial National Instrument 43101 report before COVID set in and travel restrictions took place. So that report was completed in April. The uh, Charlie Marawi, who's their uh, senior economic uh, geologist, one of them for MICON, was very, very impressed with what he saw. Uh, it's not every day that you find a project that's never been drilled with underground access. Uh, you know, And when I say underground, shallow underground access. I mean, our drill campaign is gonna be based on horizontal holes. Um, so, you know, but more importantly, when you take a look at the polymetallic aspect of this, I mean, it's the type of thing that, you know, like there's 42 sa channel samples that we took from the underground. And, you know, there was a smorgasbord of different metals, whether it was gold up to 28 gram, uh, you know, from one gram to 28 gram on 42% of those samples, uh, silver up to 800, 600, 700 gram. From 40 gram, uh, zinc, uh, lead, uh, bismuth, indium, copper. So, if you can come out, if you can outline and getting back to size potential, these are the types of things that create major, major tonnage. If you can sort of outline initially, and we, we're going to try and do this, attempt to do this for the first 3,500 meters of drilling, starting in about four weeks. A press release is going out now, stating that we'll be drilling in about four weeks. Um, if we can outline an initial five, 10 million tons, but we can show a value at the low end of those, of, of those channel samples combined of $60. I mean, you take a look at, you know, you do the math, you know, 10 million, that's 600 million market cap uh, or 600 million valuation in the ground, 60 million market cap. And 10 million tons is just, uh, I would probably think we're hoping is gonna be 
just the start of what we're looking for. The size potential. So, I mean, who else is around that can give you this level of confidence? Because with polymer type comes complications. You've got to get the recoveries right. Um, and, you know, there's big halfbacks somewhere down the line. So, you know, who else is around there, which gives us a sense of what could be? Well, one of the major uh, properties, projects, that's well recognized is the San Cristobal deposit, which is about 180, 200 kilometers away in the department of uh, Potosi in the same mineralized belt. Uh, they have tonnage in the, of around 350 million. They historically were the fourth, third largest silver mine in the world. But all their silver production, uh, the cost came from the other uh, metals such as zinc and tin and things that uh, they also uh, separated and, and produced. Um, so you know, I mean, we're not, obviously we're going to have to do a lot of metallurgy, but let's get these results first. I mean, I'm not saying, look, we're going to drill, we're going to drill 3,500 meters and we're going to replicate San Cristobal with their metallurgy. I mean, there's lots of work to do, but I think we've got a good start. I think, I think that's my, that's my point. It's, it, it's, it's early days for you guys. You've got a lot of, a lot of work ahead of you. I'm just trying to get a, a picture of, you know, what, what it is that you think you, that you're going to be capable of delivering or you're working towards. So talk to me about money. So how much money is in the company at the moment? We basically, I mean, it was just family and friends for the last couple of years. <clears throat> that's why I've always sort of deemed myself in these things, these startups, because I've been involved in about four of them uh, over the last 20 years. I always put money into them. And um, so I deem myself more as an entrepreneur than a promoter. Um, but in, in our case, uh, we basically had, we'd raised around $700,000 up until two or three months ago at you know a low price of 25 cents. Um, we were then introduced to a fellow called Quentin Hennig through uh, Dr. Quentin Hennig, through a, uh, an associate friend of both of ours who resides in Lausanne, Switzerland, who um, is quite well known in his own right. And uh, he's been a shareholder of, of some of my companies in the past. He really loved the Bolivia concept, even though you know Bolivia is deemed as a high risk uh, jurisdiction because of recent politics, uh, but not recent, but politics from you know a couple of years ago, a year ago. Um, so, he was very interested. He was involved in a company called uh, Aztec Silver, which was the precursor to San Cristobal. Uh, that was Tom Kaplan and Larry Buchanan. Uh, they went up to a billion market cap just on the discovery and potential of, of San Cristobal in 2000 to 2008. Um, so he introduced uh, myself to Quinn. We had a conversation. I had Dr. Oswaldo Arque on the line and um, he was, um, you know, I was surprised because, I mean, I, you know, we're always getting negatives uh, for the thought, you know, from when we lock, locked it up, going to the street a bit. People were a little concerned about Bolivia, never been drilled, no inferred resource. What are you guys doing? And so, you know, it, it took time to, you know, clarify the story, but Quentin got it immediately. And uh, he did some checking. I mean, one of his big uh, clients or, or investors is uh, Sumitomo that actually own the San Cristobal deposit in Bolivia. And, um, and Sumitomo were involved in a couple of his other projects, like uh, I think IRV in, uh, in Japan, uh, one or two others. So I, I think he did a little checking, wondering, okay, how bad is Bolivia? And um, 
but he came back to us and I think he was very intrigued with the actual mineralized, the strength of the mineralization of this polymetallic deposit from the sampling and what he saw. So he came back to me a few days later and asked how much money we needed. And our 43101 inferred resource, uh, the sorry, report uh, basically stated we'd need around a million US to complete the first pass 3,500 meter drilling campaign. So that's what I mentioned around 1.5 million. So he introduced me to a, a fund of his down in Denver that he's associated with called Prescott Capital. And um, they're basically a glo global macro asset manager with a, with a preference, a, a slant towards precious metals. And uh, so we had a long conversation with them and they decided to ante up. And so they financed us with the 1.5 million a 30 cent uh, Okay. unit and that's so now you know we're basically you know we're light we're about 1.7 1.8 million cash right now right but okay what and so what, what what do you what do you need to be able to get through to let's let's say beginning of next year again uh i would say 1 million us and i think the way things are looking it'll probably be less the costs of drilling are a lot cheaper in bolivia than they are in peru or north america so I think we'll be, you know, we'll be fine until sort of that January, February period. Okay, fine. And um, I mean, it's quite—it's not it's obviously not a lot of money. You said it's a very tight share register at the moment, but you're going to need to. I mean, get, you haven't asked the question about you know what's the plan here. You're going to—you're not mind builders, right? Um, but are you going to take this thing thing through to a, a PFS like you've got you know track record of doing? I mean, or? I'm not going to kid ourselves we could build a small scale mine operation with some of the people that I have on the advisory board, they have that skill set. But no, I think we're there. I mean, our, our, our real focus is to, you know, like typically like a lot of people might say, but really build, build out a resource. Uh, and, and in this case, really take advantage of this, you know, this, uh, you know, precious metal sector. Uh, and I think we, the timing's pretty good as it was for us. Uh, with Champion in 2006, when when uh, you know uh, iron ore prices uh, concentrates for 28 bucks a ton, I mean we're sitting here with you know 2,000 gold and 28 dollar silver, which has moved up. But I think um, under the circumstances, more and more people are becoming interested in this sector. So I think the timing's quite good. I'm not too nervous about raising more money, um, but I want to do this properly, and I really, really emphasize this. I see so many companies, uh, you know, just uh, they're almost they're out there issuing paper, you know, raising money. Suddenly they've got 150, 180 million market cap or 100, sorry, 180, 190 million shares outstanding. Oh, they've got, uh, you know, an inferred resource of 20 million ounces of, of silver. OK, then what? You know, I, we're sitting with 46 million shares outstanding uh, with a 50 million market cap right now. Uh, I've done this three or four times in my last 20 years. I'm setting something up where I think we can, uh, you know, the, the next step will be a much larger financing. But this is solely dependent on uh, on this short-term drilling program on both. But the but the, the the financing it's a great environment to do uh, financing for silver and gold companies at the moment because people are just throwing money at any any old thing. Quite frankly, as long as it's got the word silver and gold attached to it. Um, but you asked the question. 
which is you know you you kind of build rack this thing up to whatever level you think you can get it to, and the so what being what was the so what bit for you? I mean, what are you going to do that others can't? I think we've had a, we first of all we have a fairly solid network down in South America, and this is through um, uh, Dr. Bill Pearson. We also have a fellow called uh, Graham Spears, who's a mining engineer. Uh, basically set up his own mining engineering outfit in Lima, Peru, a Canadian who moved down 20, 15 years ago, married a Peruvian. Uh, and he does a lot of work with some of the majors uh, down in South America. And I'm not going to get too into it, but there has been uh, a couple of confidentiality agreements signed to date. Uh, our FTP site is up. Um, and, you know, the idea is if we can show size, I, I do think that a lot of majors and South American majors in particular are looking obviously to replace ounces that they have, you know, slowly depleting. Uh, so, you know, that that's the type of uh, area that I've always, that's always intrigued me. Uh, that's what I wanted to do with champion. We did it in a roundabout way uh, just after the, you know, the iron ore price uh, uh, breakdown in 2012, 13. Uh, but that's, I mean, the idea for me is, uh, you know, time's money. The, the longer you're out there, the more shares are going to be issued. Uh, you really want to execute. And I do have the bench strength of our technical team. Uh, I think is very, very solid with Quentin, with Charlie Morawi, Micon International, with Dr. Oswald Duarte, and in particular, Dr. Bill Pearson. So we're moving very, very quickly uh, to try and enhance uh, you know, especially the Iskiska property immediately. Okay, so let me be really clear about what you're saying. Is that you're you've opened up a data room? People are looking in there, but people always do at this stage because they want a sense of what could be, and they'll keep tabs over the next two or three years. But coming back to the so what bit for you, so so what do you do apart from that? What's going to drive value of for the stock? We're just we're, we're you know we're laying the table, setting the table. The only thing that you can do at this stage is drill and drill and drill and drill. And that's it. And, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself because obviously if we have marginal, if we get a marginal deposit, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to have difficulties and we'll have to reassess. But we're pretty confident that ISCA, ISCA has uh, some pretty, some strong upside. Okay. So I guess that's the plan. It's, it's, it's early stage. It's hard really to kind of, for me to get a grip on anything. I, I, I can hear what you're saying with regards to the plan you're laying out and the, the financing of being able to get the drilling done on both projects, but it sounds about, um, which is great. Just but, one thing, Matthew, you take a look at things like Lagunas Norte or La Perina, you take a look at what David Lowell looked at, how he went after it, he was a very famous mining mine finder. Uh, I mean, the uh, Perina project property, they didn't put a drill, the stock went to 300 million. I don't think they put a drill hole into the thing until the stock was trading at $12, $14. They were doing bulk sampling, just a different type of technique. So they weren't going through the 43 National Instrument, 43101, inferred, indicated, um, you know, a different format. In today's market with sophisticated money and for good reason, uh, bankers and such, you know, analysts, you know, they, they need the protection of these, of the National Instrument, 43101. Um, and, you know, and it's only prudent in today's environment. I mean, Dr. Bill Pearson was one of the authors of the National Instrument 43101 with the Ontario Securities Commission 
in 1997-98 after the BREAX fiasco. So I understand that. Um, so it's hard for us, like, you know, let's say trying to go for a bot deal, dealing with, you know, the institutional market. Uh, they want to see some ounces. They want to see some inferred. The only way we can do that is to drill. So that's why I'm not really running, trying to grab money at this minute. I'm trying to say, we got enough. Let's show the model. Let's see if we're correct. Create an initial inferred, open in all directions or in certain directions, and then go to the sophisticated market. Okay, and w which is right. That's the kind of conventional way of doing things. We, you know, myself as an ex-banker would never have dreamed of financing without having something like that in place for sure. But there are lots of conversations going on in the market because it's a bull environment, because people are excited, where companies are skipping a few stages. They are skipping out PA, you know, PEA and going straight to PFS, or they're skipping PFS and going to feasibility from PEA. And they're financing with that DFS because people are excited about, well, they don't want to miss this this bull run we're on. So I'm just I just trying to again get a sense of you know what type Maybe of management I, you I are. On the time frame, I can help you with that a little bit. Just Please. The type of drilling we're doing. Uh, we're only dealing with 200 meter holes. We're dealing with basically a uh, you know a bulk tonnage potential uh, shallow underground open pit type of environment. So. I think that we can drill out quickly and show quickly, um, you know, with less capex, you know, ounces in the ground. And I think that's really, really important um, in comparison to some other models where you have to millions of meters of drilling or thousands of meters of drilling to come up with a resource. But to, to, to your, your point about chasing scale, you're attracted to scale. Are you going to be able to do that with a million bucks on? Esca, Esca. Oh, absolutely not. But, but the, the million US is certainly going to tell us if this thing, if we are in a very big mineralized system, which we believe to date we are. Okay. Tom, nice first run through uh, of the story. I appreciate that. Um, you know, you've got a bit of work to do. You've, you've got a bit of a track record. I think you know what you're doing. Um, so I guess pick up the phone and let us know how you're getting on, please. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.